FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 429 of the podcast that goes snicked. Snicked! I'm your host, Jason Venable, and it's a bonus episode. Um, just trying to kind of catch up on episodes, and we're going to talk a little bit about the Deadpool Nerdy 30 anniversary issue. And then since we have it, we'll also talk about Wolverine Black, White, and Blood number 4. So it should be a pretty short snack-sized episode um kind of hold you over until our next episode which will be uncanny x-men 300 uh with the guys from home or some of the guys from homo superior um which is turned out to be a really great episode it's actually already done um and i've been editing it and it will be up uh well if you're listening to this when it comes out probably in a couple of days um so yeah so this is just kind of the uh the holdover um Wolverine is barely well he's in one of the stories he features in one of the Deadpool stories uh there's a kind of a, it's a compilation anniversary issue and then of course um compilation is theme of the day with the Wolverine black white and blood book which you know features stories from different creative teams so we're going to talk about Deadpool 30 years of Deadpool so before I get into the issue Deadpool has had quite a 30-year trajectory, right? Um, started off as like a super secretive, badass-looking villain, um, you know, created by Rob Liefeld in New Mutants number 98. Uh, became kind of a main character when Liefeld switched over to X-Force, a main adversary, developed some of his personality, um, and then guys like Fabian Nacieza, um further developed, and then, of course, um, I think it was Kelly and McGinnis who did the first miniseries, kind of really, really started giving the attributes we think of with, like, you know, being more of a, a comedy action book, um, fourth wall antics, all, all the stuff we kind of attribute to Deadpool now uh, kind of started a little bit later, uh, obviously well after Liefeld was gone. Um, and even, I think even post some of the uh the developments he got in x-force you know making him a little bit more fleshed out he was still a little more serious and honestly some of those early appearances even after this he has it starts giving him a better personality or a more dimensional personality he's he's kind of a scumbag (laughs) like really started off as you know a, a pretty pretty vile human being um you know, possibly physically, well, actually, pretty heavily implied, physically abusive in his relationships, uh, didn't treat women very well, um, and just was all around not a good guy, because at that point, he was also a straight-up villain, right? He was not this kind of gray anti-hero. I mean, he was a mercenary still, but just a straight-up bad guy, and was was gross and nasty and just not not a good guy to be around um you know over time as people realize more importantly as marvel realized how super popular he was and you know as the 90s continued and anti-heroes became more and more prevalent uh you know thanks to guys like wolverine <laughs> you know the star of the podcast um and punisher and you know 
you know, we saw Venom kind of transition from a villain to that kind of gray area. Deadpool starts making some of that transition. Lots of characters across comics started making some of those transitions. And, um, you know, now he's, he's kind of done a little bit. I mean, Deadpool's been everywhere. He's been on the X-Men. He's been on the Uncanny Avengers. He was on the... Um, oh, he's done other stuff, too, where he's, you know... He's been a bigger part of the Marvel Universe at large, but definitely has settled into that kind of comedy, uh, but high action. So, you know, high-octane comedy, I guess would be a good way to say it. Um, you know, and can be pretty brutal, right, too? Some of his books can be pretty graphic as far as, like, the violence and the gore. You know, usually played for, for a laugh, sort of less serious, um, but it's definitely still prevalent. And then, of course... You know, in the movies, which have been pretty good, right? Uh, Ryan Reynolds, even in Wolverine Origins, which made a mess out of Deadpool, Ryan Reynolds still did a good job. Like, it's not his fault they screwed up the end. <laughs> um, but as Wade, he was he was great, and then it was awesome to see him come back and do Deadpool for real in the in the the two Fox movies. I'm interested to see what goes forward from there. But obviously. You know, even like at Walmart and Target, you can find like Deadpool t-shirts, even now, right? Um, it kind of transcends everything. I, I have friends who aren't really into comics who love Deadpool, right? I mean, he's he's kind of culturally known and aware, and so he's obviously um, still pretty popular, still riding on that, and I think to have have been fairly popular for the majority of the 30 years, um, I think is is pretty good sign for the character, right? Uh, it speaks to his visual appeal, which there's some of the stories take a, a sight gag at that. Um, we'll talk about as we go through this, but, um, yeah, I mean, he looks great. I mean, even before I really knew whether I liked him or not, like, I, I got the early Toy Biz Deadpool, and it's still, I hope, <laughs> I hope it's still at my desk at work. Um, I have, you know, we have a shelf at our desk. We have, like, one shelf in our cubicle that we can kind of put stuff on so I have a lot of bobbleheads and action figures on there and I have not seen them in over a year um so hopefully they're all still there I'm sure they have a little bit of dust on them maybe um but yeah um that's that's that so I really like that one too it's definitely based on the life field design the legs are way too long the, the torso is too short <laughs> but it's a cool figure and you know it's the one that has the uh it's got the jagged knife that pushes in like, so if you, if you make him stab something, the knife goes, like, into his hand. Like, he's actually stabbing the thing you're stabbing. And, of course, has the two uh, katana blades um, that you can put either in his hand or in his back. It was a, it was a great figure, right? Um, yeah, so Deadpool. I mean, I, I've said several times over the course of the podcast, I like Deadpool either when he's more of a supporting character, like in Uncanny Avengers... I really like what Reminder did with him in that book. But he also wasn't the star. Or, I can read his solo stuff in small doses. Like, it's not necessarily a book that I would want to read every month, month in and month out. But I don't mind picking it up every now and then for different stories or just kind of seeing what's going on. Because um, I like the character. I just I can't... It wears me out if I get too much. And not in like a Wolverine overexposure way, which is definitely a real thing and definitely something I'm experiencing right now with my flashback reading um, because we're in the height of that and it's like, oh, there's some really bad guest spots and some bad stories here, but there's also a lot of good stuff too. But 
But even with Deadpool, even when the quality is, is high, I still, the tone and the type of book, I, I need it in smaller doses. So that's kind of been my stance on Deadpool. I, I like him as long as I don't have too much of him. <laughs> but um, yeah, anyway, so Deadpool and the Nerdy 30 number one um, has a several different stories. Let's get to the, the title page here. So we have The Immaculate Misconception, which is written by Joe Kelly. Art by Gerardo Sandoval, colors by Chris Sotomayor, uh, Baby's First Cable, written by Scotty Young, art by Aaron Connolly, colors by Jean-Francois Boulou, or Boulou, I think, um, Best There Is, written by Kelly Thompson, art by Kevin Labranda and Bob Quinn, colors by Rochelle Rosenberg, Lo, There Shall Come a Hero, Maybe, uh, written by Fabian Nicieza, art by Patch Zercher, Colors by Yava Tartaglia. Um, short Story, Tall Tale, written by Gail Simone. Art by Michael Shelfer. Colors by Jim Incaralapidus. No Chill Whatsoever, written by Daniel Way. Art by Paco Medina. Colors by Jesus Arbatov. Party for One, written by Jerry Dugan Brian Posehn. Art by Scott Koblish. Or Koblish, I think is right. Uh, colors by Nick Filardi. The Tao of Pool. Written by Rob Liefeld and Chad Bowers. Art by Rob Liefeld. Kind of. Kind of a cheat there, but we'll talk about that. Um, colors by Brian Valenza, J. David Ramos, and Federico B. The cover is by Ed McGinnis and Chris Sotomayor. And the cover has an assortment of Marvel heroes. Deadpool on a stage with a cake. This has 30 candles. Not 30 candles, with the number 30 as candles. And he has the Infinity Gauntlet on one hand with a sword. Then in the front rows with cake all over them, we have Cable, Wolverine, and Thanos. We have Punisher, very oddly placed, where you see the logo between Deadpool's legs and cat. <laughs> anyway, um, then I don't know who that is next to Punisher. Um, it might be Warpath. I'm not sure. Then Captain America, Iron Man, Colossus, Taskmaster, Hulk, Venom, Silver Surfer, Juggernaut, The Watcher, Spider-Man, hanging upside down, of course, in the corner. Um, it's a fine cover. I mean, it's kind of funny with, like, the cake splatter all over people. Though he still has the cakes. So I'm not sure when he actually splattered. It looks like maybe there's a second cake or some cupcakes he threw out at the audience. Um, but anyway. It's fine. It's a little busy. But it's fine. Um... Alright, so, uh, the first story by Gerardo, Joe Kelly and Gerardo Sandoval is basically this weird floating robot head that's killing a bunch of versions of Deadpool, and, um, then Spider-Man Deadpool, who shoots webs out of his butt, of course, um, no, it's funny that he has a zipper on his pants and his butt crack. That's kind of funny. Um, anyway, the, the head opens up and this alien techno woman comes out and they decide to have a baby or something. And it didn't really do anything for me. Um, then the next story um, by Scotty Young and um, Aaron Connolly is a baby Deadpool about to blow out his first cake, but he's in like a little baby Deadpool suit. And different cables from different timelines come to either kill or save Wade to preserve the future. Um, and the first guy is going to come kill him. The second guy's cable is going to come save him because he's further in the future. And it's literally like all the different cables, right? 
Um, and you have full-on 90s Rob Liefeld cable. You have an older cable with a beard. You have the cable with the long hair. Um, and then uh, kid cable, current cable. All the cables are there. Um, there's even like a, a Terminator, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, in the middle of one of the group shots. There's a cable gorilla. Uh, the cable in the black shirt from like the Igor and Cordy days. Um, yeah, you name it. Uh, and Grant, you want to check out these pages? There's, there's cables galore. Anyway, at the end, they, they feel like they blew up the house, but Deadpool pops up with the cable arm, and that's that. That's kind of funny. All right, so the best there is is the one that's Wolverine. That's the one by uh, Kelly Thompson and Kevin LeBronda, uh, Bob Quinn, and Rochelle Rosenberg. Um, basically, it's in the past at Deadpool's prom, or sorry, Wade Wilson's prom, and Wolverine busts through the roof with a bunch of Hydra agents, and he's trying to get this bracelet that bonds people and Wade picks it up. I do like, so his suit looks really awesome. It's like a black and red suit with a black tie, like a black skinny tie. And it looks pretty cool. It's kind of like, oh, his Deadpool costume was based on his prom tux. <laughs> it's kind of interesting, kind of funny. Anyway, he reaches for it while Wolverine reaches for it and they get handcuffed together by this bracelet. Uh, Wolverine pops his claws with the snicked and um, Wade's like, yeah, forearm, metal knives in your forearms? That seems wildly impractical. And, you know, they kind of do the thing where they're wrist to wrist and fighting Hydra guys. Um, at first, Wade's just kind of scared, but then he picks up a guitar, throws it at the Hydra guy, and they decide they kind of fight together. He gets a cymbal and blocks some bullets, then throws it at the guy's head. So Wolverine's like, I don't know what you got, but you got it. And Wade's like, well, I'd hope if I knew what it was. And Wolverine's like, just pick one thing, Wade. Be the best at that, you know? And Wade's like, well, cool. What if instead I'm almost the best at like 35 things? What about that instead, sir? Sir? What about that short, hairy, violent, sir, man? Um, it's kind of funny. The art's really good on this one. Um, it was really nice. Wolverine looks nice. Young Wade looks nice. Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of funny. Definitely probably one of the highlights of the issue. Um... Then there's one where he's in prison eating cake and thinking about his past um, and about kind of all the ways uh, he's similar or not similar to other heroes. Um, it's kind of funny. Then, the, then there's one with him and Agent X, which I forgot that the Agent X resolution was that he was like Deadpool's brain crawled into someone else's body or something. I completely forgot about that. So they're fighting Stilt Man and then Domino and Diamondback are also there. Uh, this one, the art's really good. The story's fine. Um, then there's one where he locks, he goes to South America to get an informant and he's supposed to bring him back to the CIA, but he locks him in a ice cream store freezer instead. Um, and then there's one where he's thrown underwater in a coffin and eventually his daughter rescues him. Um, then the Liefeld one, actually the Liefeld art is pretty good in this one. Um, but it's Deadpool holding up an issue of New Mutants 98 and you know talks about how it's a really good copy and thank goodness it's the first appearance of Gideon, which is Liefeld kind of having fun in his own experience a little bit. Then the double page spread. Now here, the Deadpool across the middle looks pretty great. But he's standing in a background of faded pages from his debut. So, yeah, there's new art, but it's also uh, recycling the art. But, you know, the, the Deadpool looks 
Like the new figure looks pretty good, and you can't really complain about the feet. They look fine. <laughs> For all you lifeboat enthusiasts out there who love to harp on and or defend, um, I'm going to split it right down the middle. It, lo- it looks pretty good. Um, yeah, and then they kind of talk about his costume, how at first he was really, really oval with the big eyes, and then he kind of got more streamlined, and then he eventually got the little thing on the top of his hood, then he had, you know, the black and white costume, he was Venom for a while, and just kind of jokes about his visual um, evolution. And then, um, then Cable comes along and shoots his arm off, and he's like, yeah, this guy. And then there's a guy... At the end, I don't know if it's supposed to be Liefeld, but it's someone like sewing pouches to give to Deadpool and Cable. So, um, it looks like it could maybe be a young Liefeld, um, you know, Liefeld interpreting himself, but either way, it's just a guy there. So, pretty mixed bag, uh, just like Deadpool for me is a fairly mixed bag. Um, I would say... With the $6 price tag, probably not worth it. <laughs> and that may affect my feelings on it overall. Um, you know, the Wolverine story was fun. I was, I was glad to talk about it, I guess. The rest of this is... Alright, so if Deadpool hinges on high-octane and comedy, and this book doesn't have... doesn't succeed for me at much of either... Um, a lot of the comedy falls flat, and there's not a whole lot of action, so I didn't really enjoy this that much. <laughs> and then you add the fact that it's $6 on top of that, and yes, it's a lot of pages, but who cares if the pages aren't good? <laughs> like, like, I'd rather have a normal-sized comic book and pay regular price for a good-sized comic than pay extra for extra pages that aren't worth having. Um... And that's that's really that sounds really harsh. I'm sorry. It's not my intent. Um, it just it didn't do it for me. I would love to know people who eat Deadpool up, um, like my good friend Dave Hooray. If you're listening, Dave, um, I would love to have a rebuttal, like a sincere, honest rebuttal of, of what you enjoyed about this issue, if you enjoyed it, or if you felt the same way. Like I'm curious. You know, I'm coming in as kind of a Deadpool fan, but not a hardcore Deadpool fan. So, you know, that's going to affect me. I don't necessarily get it. Like, just having Deadpool is not enough to get me excited, right? Like, I need I need more than that. So, for those of you who just really, really love Deadpool, like the way I love Wolverine, um, was this enough? Did it hit the right notes? I'd really love to hear from, from the true Deadpool aficionados. Aficionados? I know how to spell the word. Why can't I pronounce it? <laughs> anyway, you guys who really love and know a lot about Deadpool, I would love to hear how this issue hit you. Whether you thought it was a good 30-year retrospective, whether you thought the stories were fun, whether you thought they were funny, um, you know, just kind of get get your opinion on it. So feel free to go to Facebook or tweet at me, uh, at Snitcast, uh, either individually or on the episode thread once it's out um and just let me know like yeah i i agree it kind of sucked you know it was awesome it was hilarious um you know i peed my pants reading through it i mean any of those are acceptable um but yeah that's deadpool dirty not dirty 30 probably should have been dirty 30 but the nerdy 30 um i'm gonna give it 
overall as a whole package, two out of six claws. Um, and that, you know, that's accounting for the price point and the story and how I felt about everything. So that's that's kind of where I am. So yeah, two out of six claws for me on Deadpool 30. No, it's not 30. It's number one. The the the, the anyway. You know what I mean. The 30 year anniversary special blowout spectacular comic book of the week. All right. So that's going to take us to Wolverine Black, White, and Blood number four. Four out of five. This has three stories. Uh, before we get there, the cover is by Carrie Randolph. And it's pretty fantastic. It's a white, of course, background. And we have a silhouette of Mystique in black, but with red hair, red lips, red eyes, and then the white skull on her forehead. But where her body is black, the silhouette, is also a scene and so in that scene, we have Wolverine crouching um, in black and white with, in the forest. So some trees behind him. And then, of course, the tips of his claws are red and his eyes are red and the X on his belt is red. It's an awesome cover. I think it's really, really cool. Uh, I mean, I'm a Carrie Randolph fan, but this, this is really nice. All right. So our four, or, sorry, our three stories. The Art of Loss by Kelly Thompson and Carrie Randolph. Reeve play on words there. What You Sew uh, by Ed Brisson, Leonard Kirk, and uh, Andre Massa does the red coloring. Uh, Sticks and Stones by Stephen S. DeKnight, uh, penciled by Paulo Siquiera, inked by Oren Jr., and the red coloring by Andre Mosa again. Um, so in this first one by Kelly Thompson and Carrie Randolph is probably my favorite of these anthologies so far. Excuse me, so far. Choked on my word there. Um, it's somewhere in Tokyo. This is right after the failed wedding of Wolverine and Mariko in Uncanny X-Men 173. So this is him kind of reacting to that. The, the X-Men are still in Tokyo. He goes out to hit the bars and drown his sorrows. Um, so we see him having some beer. I really like... So the foreground in the story is in black and white. And the background scenery is a red sky but all the buildings are white cutouts it looks really cool it's a really nice effect um so Wolverine's having a beer saying it's not his worst day not his best day he's been kicked out of lots of bars had some fights some of them he was a good guy some of, some of them he was a bad guy just kind of trying to deal with his own grief and he gets a scent and he turns around and he sees Sabretooth but it doesn't smell right and he goes uh oh I know she ain't him if you want to tussle, you better be something more dangerous than Creed. And Sabretooth goes into the shadow, his eyes turn red, and the skull pops up on his head. And he says, oh, I am. And then it's Mystique. And she's looking for Rogue. She's really hurt and in pain that Rogue has abandoned her to join the X-Men. Which, by the time we go to Japan, it happened very recently um, in the comics. And Wolverine kind of says, you know what, I'm not in the mood for this. And drinks his beer, but Mystique is like, no, where is she? And Wolverine says, honestly, I don't know. I really don't. And even if I did, I wouldn't tell you because she made her choice. And if you want a little piece of advice, here's <laughs> drunk Wolverine trying to get some advice. She'll come back to you. Like, if you can give her space, give her time, she'll come back. She may not come back and join your team, she may stay an X Man. But as a mother figure, she will come back to you. 
if you just let her make her own decisions and live her own life and do what she needs to do, she may abandon the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, but she won't abandon you. Now, Mystique says that's not good enough, basically, and jumps after him with a gun with a, where is she? And then this starts an awesome sequence of five pages with the black, white, and red. Looks really good. Carrie Randolph switching between detail and abstraction in a way that looks just beautiful. Um, we see the beer bottle break. Mystique grabs it and stabs it at Wolverine's side. We get a nice snicked. Um, and Wolverine's like, if you want to do this, I'm, I'm doing this for keeps. I'm not in a good mood. I might kill you. And she's like, alright, let's go. And so they fight some more. Uh, she throws a chain around his neck. Um, kicks him in the face. They, they do some more sparring back and forth. Some headbutting. Wolverine starts to go berserk in a really cool all red and white panel. Um, and Mystique gets her gun. She shoots Wolverine. Wolverine slashes her. Knocks her down. He's about to go in for the kill. And he, get, he rakes his claws across her on a full page splash. Uh, from we see from behind Mystique, and she's fallen over, and blood's coming out of her side. And then Wolverine, and be, behind her, slashing downward, um, and just a great violent panel. And Mystique's kind of eviscerated, and she's kind of stumbling off, and she walks to the edge of the dock and jumps in the water. And then we get a voice-off panel: "Are you going to let her go?" And Wolverine's like, "Yeah." Yeah, she's, she's hurt the same way I'm hurting right now, and I understand the loss, and I don't need to punish her for that. I let her kind of get a little bit off of her chest. I'm sure we'll deal with this some more later. And the voice-off panel is Storm, which, of course, is fun to see Mohawk punk rock Storm. And she's like, well, we need to go back to the X-Men. And he's like, I, I need a little bit longer. I need to get some more beer, basically. And Storm's like, well, then can I join you? And he's like, yeah, it's good to have a friend. Really nice story. The art is amazing. Um, yeah, I think this is probably my, maybe, if not my favorite story. The other Mariko one I really liked a lot. So I guess I really like when these stories deal with Mariko. Um, surprise, surprise. <laughs> but yeah, really, really love this. <coughs> Excuse me, quite a bit. So the next one uh, by Briston and Kirk is after. Um, Uncanny X-Men 229, when there's that other set of Reavers that robs the banks and stuff. And, um, so Wolverine decides he's going to go after them by himself. And he sees this, this yacht was stolen around the same time as a bank robbery. So he, he takes a little little dinghy rowboat or motorboat out to the yacht. And he finds the Reaver driving the ship. So he snicks him through the chest. And then he, the other Reavers find the boat and they're like something's not right so Wolverine goes on the offensive he gets shot with a, like an arm cannon falls on the water which of course attracts a great white shark so we have a few pages of him fighting in just bloody murky water with the shark um, the shark tries to eat his arm he stabs him through his own mouth like so his arm goes through the shark's mouth and comes out by the eye uh, kind of not, not the whole like swallowing and cutting out of the belly but cutting through the upper jaw of the shark, and kind of a play on that trope. Um, obviously, more sharks come. Um, Wolverine gets back on the boat. He takes out some reavers. Very, very brutal, violent pages here. Um, he throws one in a shark's mouth. He throws some in the water. Eventually, takes them all on, and then, you know, drives away, and we see a reaver floating in the water and two red shark fins about to devour him. Um... 
it's fine. It's definitely violent and gory, and there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, that's what this book is kind of doing. Um, I mean, it's just a basic, here's Wolverine on a boat killing a bunch of bad guys. It's fine. Um, so then next, uh, we have the story by uh, Stephen S. Knight, which I am not familiar with. Stephen S. Knight. Uh, Paulo Siquiero, I know, he's done stuff, and he also did the... Uh, the Wolverine's Daughter story in Marvel Comics Presents that was really hot there for like a second. Um, I still think that character could be used for something. A supernatural, like, hunter Wolverine thing could be kind of cool. But I guess no one's really decided to run with that or haven't figured out where to put it. Um, but anyway, uh, his art, obviously, is really good. Um, so we see him falling from the sky with blood all over his uniform and he lands in the savage land. And then Saron pops up and says, I don't know what you're doing here, but I don't like it. And I'll drop you out of the sky again. And we get a nice snicked. Um, he says, didn't come here looking to tangle with you, bub, but you want to dance? Start the freaking music. Snicked. It's a pretty cool snicked. Um, and Saron's like, well, fine. If that didn't kill you, I'll take you higher and drop you. But then a T-Rex shows up. And the T-Rex looks pretty great. And Saron's like, ah, hypnotized dinosaurs. Um, and Wolverine tries to talk to the T-Rex, but of course it eats them. And here we get the full-on trope. The T-Rex swallows Wolverine, and he claws his way out through the skull in a very bloody page where the T-Rex eyeball pops up and brain and all that, and... Wolverine drops down, and, um, Theron says, well, let, we should team up and fight Garok, the petrified man. <laughs> so they decide, okay, and we get a double snicked that looks really cool, so he's in the shadows of the trees, and we see his eyes and his teeth, and six claws in red with two snicks, um, and yeah, and they fight Garok, Wolverine, of course, cuts him up, even though he's made out of stone, and they're like, okay, well done, and, uh, he goes, all right, well, I guess I'm going to leave Carl. And Saron says, don't call me Carl. And they lunge at each other. They're going to fight some more. Um, it's okay. The art's cool. But, yeah. So I really, really loved the first story, and the next two were fine. <laughs> Which is not, that's pretty good for an anthology book, right? It's always hit and miss, kind of expected to be hit and miss. So, um, you know, you kind of get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. And, um, yeah. I think to have, have one that, that is an amazing story, it really makes the book. Then the other two are, are both, you know, they're fine. They're fun. They're just Wolverine being clawy and bloody and, and stabbing stuff and hacking and slicing and dicing and, you know, the stuff you get with Wolverine books when people want to just do, here's Wolverine cutting stuff. Um, I would say, you know, the first story by Kelly Thompson and Carrie Randolph is six out of six claws. Then the other two are three out of six. So if we add that all together, that is six plus three plus three is 12. Divided by three is four. So I'm just going to go straight math. I'm going to give Wolverine, Black, White, and Blood number four, four out of six claws. Um, I think the first story swings it so high that I'm willing to kind of budge a little bit and, and, and let it skew the average up. So, yeah. That's Wolverine Black, White, and Blood number four. And that's going to be our b b bonus episode. Hope you enjoyed the uh, the bite. Um, and again, like I said, uh, next episode should be uh, our celebration. You know, speaking, we just did 30 years of Deadpool. Well, in flashback time, 
Flashback, we're 30 years of X-Men. We're leading up to Fatal Attractions. Now, maybe a little while before we get there, because there's a lot of stuff that, like I said, Wolverine's all over the place in 1992 and 93. But Uncanny X-Men 300 is kind of the unofficial first celebration of the 30 years of the X-Men, and was very happy to have uh, Kellen and Clark from Homeless Superior come on and talk about that with me, and that will be, that should be the next episode. Um, which, incidentally, will be episode 430. So, lots of 30s going on right now. <laughs> I am not in my 30s. <laughs> I'm well past that. <laughs> so, too late for me. But for everybody else, lots, lots of 30s stuff going on, so that's fun. Um, yeah, um, as always, guys, uh, please stay safe and well out there. Uh, for the podcast, to go snitch. You can like the Facebook page. Twitter is at Snitcast. Show notes and stuff for snitcast.podbean.com. And, um, yeah, until next time, hugs and snicks, everyone. Bye-bye. And snacked.